Hooray Run Podcast, Episode 4. It's a breaking 2 recap follow-up on the line with me from Episode 1. Tyler Brinks, a.k.a. T-Dot. And I got another friend on the line. He's with T-Dot. It's Julian Morrison, a.k.a. J-Mo. Yet another Hope College former teammate, cross-country and track. J-Mo and T-Dot ready to dish on all things breaking two, Nike's project that went off Saturday morning in Monza, Italy, and Elliot Kipchoge, the 32-year-old from Kenya, 26 seconds away from a 159.59 marathon, incredible performance by Elliot, two hours flat, 25 seconds. Oh, Hooray Run Podcast Episode 3, was a preview of Breaking 2, a discussion on the intricacies of the game planning by Nike, what went into the race. So if you want to know more about Breaking 2 and what took place Saturday morning in Monza, Italy, please listen to episode 3 of Hooray Run Podcast. A lot of information packed into that one. What a sight it was, what a show, a spectacle, Nike's marketing, Nike's genius, marathoning. We get after a lot of it in this episode. It's James Rogers right here, joined by Tyler Brinks, a.k.a. T-Dot, and Julian Morrison, a.k.a. J-Mo. But before we get into the conversation, my friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Mikey, (laughs) you just got to drop that beat for us. Joining me on the line now from episode one, he returns, Tyler Brinks, a.k.a. T-Dot. And T-Dot, I hear you have a friend with you. Is it Julian Morrison, a.k.a. J-Mo? I do. J-Mo is here. The two of us are recently college gradu- recently coined college graduates, and we're here to provide, hopefully, some college-level education insights <laughs> It's true. on the Ray Run Podcast. There they are, T-Dot and J-Mo. Again, two former Hope College cross-country and track teammates. J-Mo joining. He's not clueless, listeners. He is not clueless. <laughs> he is a pure 5K, 10K runner, and I am excited to hear what he has to say about breaking two. It's a recap, follow-up episode to... Episode 3, I had my friend Zach Zanbergen on for a preview of Nike's Breaking 2, and tonight we're going to follow it up with a breakdown of the race, the spectacle, the marketing campaign, the awesomeness of it all, whatever you want to call it, people are, it's really a mixed bag on the reviews of Breaking 2, and I am glad to have T-Dot and J-Mo on the line. Where are you guys right now? We are at my house for the, just the next few hours. Uh, we came home Monday night, mm-hmm. Commerce Township, Michigan. We're heading back to Holland tomorrow morning. Julian has a race at North Central College in Naperville, Illinois. Yep. Tomorrow night, 10K. How you feeling, J-Mo? I'm feeling ready. I've been, uh, been itching to race for quite a while. I've been battling some injuries, so I'm excited to race. And I'm excited to have you on the pod. 
T-Dot, you're racing Steeple Friday, right? That's right. See, I don't have any just guys off the street on this podcast. We got two guys near the end of their track careers, college that is, and as they said, as they just joined, fresh out of undergrad at Hope College. So let's get into this, fellas. This was quite a spectacle on Saturday night, excuse me, Friday night, Eastern mm-hmm. and Central time, whatever time zone you were in, it was all all over the place. Local time, Saturday morning in Monza, Italy, 5.45 a.m., the gun went off, and we were treated to three men attempting sub-two hours in the marathon, and as you may know by now, Elliot Kipchoge of Kenya ran two hours flat and 25 seconds. Unbelievable. In the preview pod I did with Zach, we were, I would say I was leaning more toward a 202 to 203. So yeah. to get two flat 25, I was extremely delighted and also surprised at how close it was because this was yeah. so audacious. What yeah. was your initial reaction, guys? You can answer however order you want to, but when you saw two flat 25, were you bummed? Were you excited? Were you just like, I got to watch the replay right now? Or is it just like, I mean, he's less than a second per mile off from yeah. 159.59. What was the initial reaction to two flat 25? Initial reaction for me is just that Kipchoge's time justified the attempt. That, you know, ever Zach was saying 20% was on the high end that he broke too. And and I think I probably would have agreed. You know, I think you were, you know, the 5 to 10% like that he was going to break too. Um, and that even that could have been a little generous. Um, you know, I think that I was skeptical that he could break too. Um, you know, Zach, Zach sounded kind of silly and cynical at some points. That is just, you know, Nike's crazy marketing ploy but (laughs) sure um you know i think the work that nike put together the work that kipchoge and desissa and tedesi uh you know the the way the work they put in over the last you know not just the last seven months um but the last you know two three years um you know came down and was and you know had helped push kipchoge to the two flat 25 seconds that he ran um it was just I mean, I kind of got chills watching the last, like, half hour knowing how close he was. And, I mean, I was, you know, I got the butterflies in my stomach for him. I remember with, like, 10 minutes to go, Shalane Flanagan was on uh, the telecast with with the announcers, and, and she was saying the same thing. It was it was just kind of eerie and, um, you know, remarkable that he was getting so close to the two-flat barrier. Um, even when it was kind of evident that he wasn't going to eclipse or he wasn't going to, you know, break two minutes or two hours rather. Um, it was still just remarkably close to, to him that. Did you get frightened as I did when around mile 11, DeSissa falls way off the pack. And at that point you're saying it's over for Lalissa. Good night to you. And then before halfway, before we get to 13.1, oh no, Tedesse is losing ground, and now our only hope is in Kipchoge. It's one guy left, and we're not even halfway through the race. Was there any concern on your end? I think it certainly heightened the drama, at the very least. I mean, I had at least more faith in Kipchoge, you know, than the other two. 
which I think, you know, is kind of follows suit with a lot of other opinion. That was the consensus yeah, going in that it would be Kipchoge who would yeah. threaten it the, the most. And, you know, whether it was, you know, obviously he's the Olympic champion, you know, he's one of the, you know, more renowned marathoners of our day. Um, you know, you don't have the, you know, Tedesi and Desissa don't have the same, at least credible statistics, um, at least for the full marathon, even though Tedesi's, you know, a few years old now, but has the half marathon record. Um, you know, it's, it's those things that, you know, to me, it was, it, it was Kipchoge's game. It was his, his event that was gonna, it was his event to make or break, I think the production. Mm-hmm. And so if he didn't run, if, even if he fell off with, you know, 16 at mile 16, mile 17, I think that certainly could have been labeled a failure. Um, but that he held on even until about 5k to go, uh, certainly just made it, I think totally justified it. You have three guys here who we all go in confident knowing that, yeah, Tedes is the half marathon world record holder Desissa two-time Boston champion, and then Elliot Kipchoge, who Let's Run and other outlets are not shy to say is the greatest marathoner of all time. So yeah. yes, Kipchoge going into this event is going to be the favorite. Mm-hmm. I said in the preview pod that I would be even more skeptical. I don't know. Like if he went 202.30 and he broke the... Kometo's 202.57 by 27 seconds. Like, that would have been cool to see the fastest 26.2 ever, but it because it was so far from too flat, it would have been anticlimactic for me. But for him to get that close and to see, even in his final straightaway, when the Pacers who dropped out were still urging him on right by his side, and they were just, you know, Lagat's just fist-pumping, come on, man, let's do this! And it was still chill-inducing for me, when I knew he was going to go over two hours. And that moment at the end, and knowing the work that the Pacers put in throughout the entire 26.2 and how they jumped in to help Tedesse and Desissa when they dropped off, yeah. it was cool to see a complete team effort, even though we were focused on three guys. I think a lot of the credit is due to the Pacers. And if you watched any of the race, you would undoubtedly agree because that was yeah. a whole scientific aspect of it for wind divergence having six pacers in front of the league group at all times to cut back on wind and just to give as much aid as possible to the runners we'll get into more of the science and and the i guess carnival nature of the whole nike spectacle and how it it indeed was a marketing ploy but to see two flat 25 and to know it was just like, let's test the human limits. And we got this close to seeing a one as the first number for a marathon time. Yeah. It still was incredible. JMO, give me your, what was your initial takeaway when you either watched it live and saw him cross at two flat 25 or next morning you wake up and you're just like, Holy cow. We we're really close to one fifty nine fifty nine. Well, Jim, I couldn't watch the the end of it live, um, so I did see it later on. But uh, I was I was both excited and shocked. <laughs> I didn't think they'd get that close, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I was excited because it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see so many people be on board for such a project to like push the human limits, like you were saying. I think that kind of shows uh, that we can all rally behind something when it's it's a barrier that kind of defines us as humans. 
So I, I don't know. I was excited, and I think that it'd be cool to see something like this happen again. But it is such a big project. I know so much went into it that we don't even have the details about. So I was excited and, and shocked, and hope to see something like this again in the future. I think they will go after it again, mm-hmm. if that's Nike or if it's another brand that piggybacks off this idea. And I, you, you made a good point there, JMO, about kind of the rally together. It was almost like a global rally. I was watching it on Twitter, and I had the live tweets coming in on the right, so I refreshed the feed like every 10 seconds. I mean, we're talking hundreds, thousands of tweets pouring in constantly. Right. So it was really cool. Yes, it was a marketing ploy. Nike, a great strategy in terms of, let's see the sales of these Vaporfly shoes when they hit the shelves. I mean, <laughs> as Zach said, they're going to go like hotcakes in the preview. To this race, and so it's a it's a great marketing campaign. The trailers were awesome. The stories behind the guys, I think they really did well at telling the stories of the three athletes, even throughout the broadcast. Yes, it's marketing, but also phenomenal for the sport. People admitting on Twitter, they're watching this at two a.m. wherever they are, and just saying, "Can't believe that something running related is keeping me up." But this is thrilling, and I can't keep my eyes off it. And seeing so many non-runners and people who have no connection to the sport, staying up at weird hours to watch a human try to break two hours. It was great for the sport. It really was. As much as you say, or anyone, there was skepticism all around from big name brands, from big running outlets. Just, there's no way they're ever going to come close. It's all Nike, Nike, Nike. We're falling into the trap. But whatever you have to say negative, you have to look at it and say, look how many people they got watching around the globe and my two friends, James and Joe from Grand Rapids, Michigan, they, I talked to them about it Saturday night, and I told them straight up, I said, we're talking about this. How cool is it? Like, they got people talking about it that would never talk about marathoning ever yeah. before. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And they were asking me questions about how crazy it is. And, again, James and Joe, two guys who, admittedly, during the conversation, they said, I wouldn't be talking about this if it, if Nike didn't do near as good job of advertising and get people hooked on the idea of a human going sub too. <clears throat> That's right. And one of the things that is certainly, well, so my first, not impression, but first kind of engagement with the sub two hour marathon was last summer when the New York times wrote the man versus marathon there was two-part article, Man vs. Marathon, and it's one scientist, quick CI quest to propel a runner past the two-hour barrier. Mm-hmm. This is not Nike's project. This is a totally separate endeavor. It's called the Sub Two Hour Project, and uh, Kennedy Beckley is the main. Um, he's the main athlete involved in this project, and they covered him extensively in the article. Uh, and I think that's that's something that kind of that kind of inspired a little thought watching Kipchoge run, you know, two hours twenty five seconds. Is that you know, and and then like Flow Trek yesterday, two days ago, posted the two thousand three World Championship five K, where it's Hikamal Garouge, Beckley, and Kipchoge. Kipchoge when he's eighteen years old, and the three of them fight to the finish, you know, in the 5K and run 12.52 in a championship race. Kipchoge wins. Garouge and Beckley just like half a second behind. 
and and Hakim Rouge, fifteen hundred meter running up to five k. Beckley at that one at that World Championships won the ten k, moving down to the five k. And Kipchoge, you know, eighteen year old upsets the two two world record holders, not just world Olymp- world champions, but but world record holders. Yeah, their respective events. And just looking at that and saying, like, what happens if Beckley in his in, in the shape that the sub two hour project aspires for him to be in what does he do against Kipchoge what, what is he what what happens if it's Kipchoge and Beckley the two athletes or even the two of a third and then throw in a third athlete you know what happens then do they you know do the two of them push each other even further you know does do they break two do they run yeah. you know two hours 10 seconds you know do we have two athletes under two you know in the two minutes or two hours for the marathon you know what happens then you know it's a great point because, well, A, I just want to say something about that 2003 World Championships 5K in Paris. One of the best races ever. Mm-hmm. Urge the listeners to look that one up on YouTube. It's incredible. I remember my first introduction or my introduction to that race was, I think I was reading Running Times and the the final photo they have on the final page before the back cover, they had a, a shot of the finish. Um Kipchoge leaning over the line to edge out El Garouge and then Bekele right there for mm-hmm. bronze. And then I YouTubed it right after I saw that photo and, oh my gosh, what yeah. a race. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, you talk about personnel in, in a race like this to try to break too. It would be, I'm looking forward to more races in the future on major marathons on the roads, Kipchoge versus Kenanisa, because we're in for a wild freaking fast treat if that's what we get for the next five or so years of a marathon hopefully they can line up their schedules and kind of work it out together to to make some of those duels happen and we'll see yeah. how how close they get or how much they shave off the 20257 official world record and i i think this two flat 25 really it set the standard in many ways just to show what's possible but even in say a berlin marathon where Cometo went 202.57. I just think if you get the right caliber of guys, we're going to be closer to 201 officially than you might think. Yeah. I agree. And it's it's a bummer that, at least right now, Bekele isn't... He isn't nearly in the shape that Kachogi is in. Um, you know, at least based on his... I mean, he you know, his more recent results. Uh, he just... You know, even being left off of the Olympic team, you know, it's just, it hasn't been his go of things recently. And I don't know if that's been injury that's interrupted training or, you know, what the deal is. He's, he has a little older legs than Kipchoge. Um, well, he did run, he did just play second in London. He no, I know. Even, yeah, but to have that be 205.57, yeah. you know, to not even to win, you know, like obviously he's still in in impressive shape. He's still finishing second in a world major marathon, but you know, obviously he's the world record holder in the 5k and the 10k and you just expect a little bit more from him, I guess, you know, you hold him to another standard. Yes. I, I, I will say that I expected quicker and the, the win in London as many prognosticators did going into London on April 23rd. So the point taken there, absolutely. We're just hoping that, because he does, and Bekele has two DNFs 
at Dubai, he hasn't finished that mm-hmm. marathon a couple of times. So yep. he hasn't quite found. Although we're talking, we are talking about a two hundred three hundred three guy. Yeah. It's crazy to say that about Bakele yep. and how he's. I was just going to say he maybe hasn't find found his just right comfort zone in marathoning, but he is a two hundred three hundred three guy, and as you said, world record holder five k ten k. But getting back to like this breaking two idea, it is interesting what Nike will go for because Bakele is Nike sponsored, and maybe they use him in a yeah, event like exactly. this potentially. Yep. Right. Exactly right. Tedesse went 206.51 in breaking two, and DeSissa fell back to 214.08, which makes Kipchoge's performance even better, I think, because you have the skeptics. You have the people who say, Nike this, Nike that, optimal wind divergence, lead Tesla car, pacing formation that we've never seen, flat track. A lot of trees, everything just suitable for a sub two. But we see a two hundred six fifty one and a two fourteen oh eight. It's not like all three guys went under two hundred two fifty seven. I could see more of the the qualms with it if like all three guys were sub two hundred one or something. Then it would be like, okay, okay, this was quite just a show. But the two other guys, I mean, two hundred six fifty one is. The fastest Tedeschi's run for twenty six point two, but it's still far away from two flat, and then two fourteen oh eight for a, a hurting Desissa. Yeah, I, I just think Kipchoge deserves is well yeah. deserved the praise that has been showered upon him in the last yeah. week. Yeah, completely agree. I just think there's an argument for against it more so if all three guys dipped under Cometo's two hundred two fifty seven, but to see that. Okay, it's 26.2 miles. I don't care if it's a flat Formula One track with all this optimization and science behind it. It's still 26.2 at 435 mile pace. Yep. Yep. (sighs) The splits for Kipchoge, he went through 13.1 halfway, 59.57, so three seconds ahead of schedule. Yep. Crazy quick pace, unbelievable. And then he comes back in 60-28, still phenomenal, for mm-hmm. two flat 25. Guys, only one American ever has broken 60 in the half marathon, and that's Ryan Hall from Houston in 2007. Ritzenhein, Dathan Ritzenhein has gone 60 flat. But, again, considering all the conditions, I know, I know, I know everything that went into it, but Kipchoge ran 59-57 for the first half, and only one American ever has run sub 60. What did, what'd you think about that going through halfway right on pace, even just the, just the tad ahead of pace. It's amazing to go out that quick and come back even in sub 60, 30. Yeah. I guess one of the more astonishing things is just how easy he made it look, you know? Yes. Art form. Yeah. He, he didn't, I mean, it looked like he was out there to run, you know, a 17 flat 5k, you know, as like a division one athlete, like it was just a cakewalk for him. And, you know, really it was so late into the race where he looked like he was even straining. Um, and I guess this just like kind of speaks to, you know, the, the natural, obviously like he's just flat out. He's an incredible athlete. One of the world, you know, call him the world's greatest marathon marathoner, the greatest marathoner of all time. 
and he just has some incredible personal best from any distance. Oh, and the I range. Think anytime, the range, yeah. You know, anytime you have, I mean, he has like a, his personal best in the 5K is 12. 46, 40, isn't it? 46, yeah. 350 miler. Yep, 350 miler. 12, yeah. So it's just astonishing the his ability across all those distances. And that I think just, it just makes the distance or the, you know, the pace that he's running even for a little while longer to be that much easier, I guess, the efficiency in which he's been running. And then just how fine-tuned everything is once you get into this process that there's really no room for error and, you know, inefficient movements and those sorts of things. So that's where, like, Nike's tailoring comes into play. But obviously, I have such a gifted athlete there they're working with where, you know, he just makes all of this look so easy. Pacing is what it was all about, and that's yeah. absolutely true. You can't, give, you can't give a second if you're gunning for 159.59. Yeah. J-Mo, talk to me about the mental aspect of a run like this. Oh. Not just not just this attempt, but again, Z and I got at it in the preview. Just how great of a percent running is mentally, especially when you're doing it at the collegiate level, at the pro level, and at this breaking two level, the highest of levels of running. Just talk about the mental fortitude that a guy like Kipchoge, uh, just the aura he has about him. It's incredible. And watching the videos leading up, it was just like. You kind of, with each day leading up, you're thinking, this guy might do it, and it's because of his mental tenacity. J-Mo, t- tell me a little bit about the mental aspect of running and what has to go in to achieve a two-flat 25 or any other running accomplishment that you're aiming for. Well, I, I think if you talk to any runner who's really gunning for a time that's uh, a little a little crazy uh, out of their, their normal zone, you, you have to see that barrier as as just another goal because once we start making it such a big barrier in our minds it's nearly impossible and I, and I think you know we talk about this breaking two thing like it's you know probably how they talked about breaking four in the mile all those years ago yeah i i mean i would not be surprised if sometime in the near future this was just another thing that a lot of elite runners can do as kind of a a, a milestone for them Oof. but i think we all know like <laughs> In these longer events, especially, if you're not with anybody, like Kachogi was just, you know, really pushing, but they, they had those pacers all around them. And I think that helps a lot because if it was just him out there doing it on his own, I don't think he would have gotten anywhere near that close. Uh, you got to have something to chase, even if it's just a buddy that's helping you out. So I, I think that plays a huge role. I think without all those fans, without those those pacers, without all these different things to hype him up he would have you know fell off the time a little more than that and with it being on a formula one track when you're going 17 plus loops around yeah how mentally strong you have to be to approach this project and say okay we're on a loop here a 2.4 kilometer loop and this (laughs) this might get boring (laughs) but all the factors that went in like you said having the pacers in a flying v formation in front of you at all times and I guess having a Tesla electric car and a green laser doesn't hurt either. Yep, yep, definitely. <laughs> One of the things that Kipchoge said during, well, you know, they were, Nike was flashing through highlights and, you know, recaps and 
you know, videos with each of the runners and, you know, each person that helped put the, uh, put on the production. And Kipchoge, like, they asked Kipchoge if he was concerned about the three different dates that the, on which the race could have been run. And he just said, you know, it's my, my job is just to go out and, and to compete. And, you know, I'm prepared, whether it's, you know, the sixth, seventh or eighth, it's not a big deal for me. I'm, you know, I've done the training, I've done the work, I know that I'm strong enough, I know I've been self-disciplined enough, and I'm just going to give it my best effort regardless of the day. He was just unfazed, you know, by something that we, that I, I think certainly would um, would stress stress out a lot of other runners, you know, yeah. to say, okay, your, your goal race is either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you know, like, mm. just, I think that would be, I just, you know, you like to have that certain sense of control over your future and to prepare you know a certain amount of days ahead of time but i think for kipchoge i think that you know like our bodies would not really be in any different sort of state you know presuming you don't like crush a really hard workout like the day before you maybe the first day you know that's that's possible obviously he's not going to do that but you know beyond that like your body really isn't in any different shape you know tomorrow or, you know, tomorrow, Friday, or Saturday, if we're lining up the next three days. Like, Julian and I could run the race we're going to run. On, he's going to race Thursday. I'm going to race Friday. We could run it on the ending of the next three days, and it's we're not going to be in any different sort of physical shape. It's all about the mindset in which we approach that race. And I think that was Kipchoge. He's just so mature and confident and, and composed mentally that it wasn't going to phase him whatever day they, they held the race. Mm-hmm. And his demeanor through it all was just we talked about it being a, a a form of beauty in art watching this man chase yeah. sub two hours and you talked about it brings his 03 paris world championships 5k at 18 i mean this guy's been around the block and then some this is year 15 if we're looking at the pro ranks i mean he's been here and he knows what it takes to succeed on the track at the highest level and now on the roads and I just wanted to point out the, the like, mile 22, 23, we saw what some people were calling a smile on his face. Others, like Shalane Flanagan, her commentary toward the end was, you know, that very well could have been painful grimaces. Yeah. You know, we're seeing his teeth, and it, it, there were screenshots that made it look like he was smiling and just cruising along, and, whoa, we're going we're gonna to break two here. But it, it very well could have been a grimace and we saw him kind of clench the teeth down the last straightaway too. Uh, but overall it was just, even to hear the splits and having the numbers right in front of you on this car and people calling them out and knowing that he admitted post race that I think it was the penultimate lap. He just said, I knew I was 10 seconds off and then 12 seconds and then 15, even having that in your mind, could really derail you but for him yeah. to have the resolve to say i put seven months of my life into this and then some you know nike's been working on this for two or three years yeah. but to, to crack down and say i'm not gonna let in and make this a 20120 i'm really gonna see what i you never know what's gonna happen if i can yeah. find my fourth or fifth gear and yeah. get after it so just the mentality even when he knows the the Tesla is getting farther and farther ahead of him and he's losing pace, he's still not just absolutely letting it go. He's still yeah. trying to keep form and make this 
an exciting event, which he did. He kept us on the edge of our seats up until he really did the finish line. I was also going to talk about like with mentality. When I see DeSissa fall off at mile 11, I'm just, I'm watching that and knowing, having the running background and all the races I've done, the the racing bank and the training bank that I have, I'm just watching him fall off at 11 and I, it, it could just be me, but just like what's going on in his mind there to yeah. know that he's, he's surpassed great money for going into Boston uh, 2017, you know, yep. surpassing a lot of good money, presumably to to go in other major marathons. But you know, Nike handed over quite a nice sum to all three guys for participating, yeah. so he got a great payday. But still, like to know everything that went into it, um, and to fall off at 11, it was. I and then I again I saw Tedeschi fall off near halfway, and I was just praying that Kipchoge could hold on to the yeah. the flying V, and that we weren't just going to get four guy or three guys at like 204 plus but Kipchoge came through for us all uh but just still a shout out to Tedesse and Desissa for finishing the race yeah I was texting a few guys and just a few friends during the live stream and just said you think Desissa's gonna just drop out because like you don't want to you're not gonna hit two or anywhere near it too flat and yeah don't risk any injury think about your long-term career he's 27 years old I thought we very well could have seen a DNF from DeSissa, but I think he realized, you know, the stock he put into it. And to yeah. see all three of them cross the line was also a success in a way. Yeah. And I'm hoping, you know, really that's – it was DeSissa and Tedesi's kind of obligation to the whole project and, you know, the the effort that they put in over the last, you know, months and years um, that kind of kept them going. I, I would hate to think that it was – you know, like in a contract that they had to finish for them to like get a certain amount, like even if they were well off the pace, you know, like mm-hmm. that's just, you know, mildly cynical. And I hope that wasn't the case. I think you're probably right that it was about, you know, the commitment that they put in and, um, you know, and just the absolute effort in which they are driving in and, and just obviously pride. And, um, you know, you'd hate to see a DNF on an event like this. Um, but obviously like, from a marketing spec perspective too, like it would look bad for Nike if they just didn't finish at all. So it's better to obviously have a time and say they went out at a suicidal pace and obviously they couldn't maintain it and they came in, but you know, obviously they're obviously these athletes are capable of much more than, you know, for the two that finished later, you know, they went out at two flat pace and held on even longer than any other athletes have, you know, for that long, if they're finishing a full marathon, um, so there's that element too. I you know, sure, yeah. Kipchoge two flat twenty five, Tedesse two oh six fifty one, Desissa two fourteen oh eight. One of you, I want you guys to look up because we're D three runners, Hope College, NCAA Division three. Can you guys get on TFRRS and just tell me where a fourteen fourteen five k would put you in the nation right now? Sure. I'm interested because to get 159.59, you got to hit 14.13 per 5K. It's just gnarly again. And I'm just wondering where, you know, Kipchoge ended up being an average of right around 14.14. 14. Where, where would that put him per 5K in a marathon? Where would that put him in the nation, Division Three? Just let me know when you got it. We got it. I just want you to take a guess before we share it. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, 
it's it's got to be top five. That's exactly right. Would have been fourth place, fourth in the nation right now. That's just wild. Again, to uh, I've I've talked hours on end with you guys and with Zach about the the level these guys are at. It's even for us who have collegiate running backgrounds. Just yeah. it's near impossible to yeah to relate and try to wrap our minds around it i mean just before before the show we julie and i kind of laughed well we laughed at that each of the 5k splits that kipchoge ran were faster than our personal best by oh you know a considerable margin uh, yeah. yeah like only like at least 30 seconds for all of <laughs> it shocked even some of the top runners in the nation. I mean, we have two. So we had five American pacers yep. in the breaking two. Chris Derrick and Andrew Bumbelow were part of the pacing team. Mm-hmm. And they had a great piece, or Let's Run delivered a, a cool a Q&A feature on the pacers. And they they featured Derrick and Bumbelow. Uh-huh. And just to hear the awe of those two guys who are at yep. the highest tier of running in our nation and yep. they were just taken aback by the aura of Elliot Kipchoge yep. and Tedesse and Desissa for three guys to get after this but then just seeing it 25 26 seconds away from actually happening these guys like Bumbolo had a quote in that let's run article that said he's only once asked another runner for an autograph and that was Alan Webb back when Webb was Running three forty six for the mile and yeah. the face of American mid distance running and Bumble was in high school. It said yeah, and Bumby was yeah. in high school and and he just had he he got his second fellow rug, runner signature and it was Elliot yeah. Kipchoge. He got his autograph on his jersey. Yeah, and I like Chris Derrick's quote, um, and he's saying just the whole experience was a great time. I think we all got invest invested over the course of the week in the project. I think we probably understood about as well as anyone how hard it was, what he was doing, what Kipchoge was doing, because some of those guys have run really fast mar- marathon themselves, but we also ran the pace, the pace of the two-hour marathon, and it didn't exactly feel easy. <laughs> those guys, they were running two laps, and then they would get a, like almost a half-hour break, and then they'd run two laps again. So for them, yeah, you can process that. <laughs> Bumbleo also said, he said, Chris and I were discussing if we ran 60 flat for the half marathon, we would both be pretty happy with that. <laughs> well, yeah, duh, Bumby, you would be pretty happy with that. You guys would be the second fastest American ma- half marathoners ever. And then he went on to say the fact that he, Kipchoge, is essentially doing two back-to-backs and really only faltering at all in the last 5K or so is pretty stupendous. What he did was mind-blowing. It was crazy. It's amazing. Just running the pace and knowing he's doing that for two hours, it's just one of those jaw-dropping moments. That coming from an elite American distance runner. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> what else from the Let's Run piece, Brinks, stood out? Anything? Yeah. let's. Well, one thing I want to say kind of in the line of that last comment, uh, you know, that it was – it was just amazing running that pace, knowing he was doing it for two hours, one of those jaw-driven moments. I just, 
while I was reading this article and while I've been processing the race over the last few days, with how well tailored and executed and, you know, scientifically, you know, exact this attempt on the two-hour marathon, like, I wonder what other events, like, how, like, what sort of percentage you could improve a world record right now with the same sort of training, say, around the 5K or around the 1,500 mile. You know, the, yeah. you know, how how far below say one forty could you run in the eight hundred? You know, if you were to to put this sort of emphasis and this sort of training and science behind David Rudisha in the eight hundred meters, you know. Mm. It, yeah, it, I think the lower you go in distance, the the more difficult it is because yeah, it's not like <clears throat> I mean, mark my words, but saying this May tenth, twenty seventeen, I just you're not going to go nine two zero in the hundred, yeah. even with. Again, I I don't know anything is <laughs> we've seen in in twenty sixteen and yeah. this year. Like a lot of things are possible in the world. Well, I Spanning, think this, yeah. Well, right. I guess I say like eight hundred on up, kind of because you know from four hundred below, you don't you know everybody's in their own lane, and well, and that's just one element that that could certainly be. But you couldn't really have a pacer for a hundred meter dash, you know. Yeah. There's no way I can. You'd just be an obstacle in the way. You wouldn't be helping anything. But say M800, if you were to do what, you know, the whole V style mm. pacing and you know the exchange zones that they that the pacers had, you know, like if you were to have that for an 800 meters or anything above that distance, where, I mean, like David Rudisha in in 2012 at the London Olympics ran up in a minute 40 seconds for the 800 meters, but he 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 led from start to finish. Right, and he right. had nobody. I mean, he had athletes coming in behind him and nipping at his tail, and he was racing the clock. But that there was nobody in front of him to like, you know, block wind and you know to to let him draft off of there, and just to like mentally kind of zone out to like be on somebody, you know, staring at somebody's shoulder blades rather than fighting, you know, to to drive home. So I wonder, you know, if, even if you were to have somebody who like weaved in and onto the track, you know, for an 800, a 1500, a 5k, a 10k, you know, how, how far could you drop the records that are after right now? Mm-hmm. And obviously you need an athlete who's capable of doing that. I, I say the 800 just because Rudisha is the only active uh, world record holder competing right now. Becca Lee and Hikram Al-Garouj are, you know, long since retired from their track days where they're running that fast over their distance. Uh, so it's Rudisha who's left to to offer as an example. I would be scared. I would actually lose sleep if I saw someone run 20 sub 26 minutes in the 10 K. Yeah. It would be absolutely insane, but you bring up a good conversation. Like you just posed the question. So I'm trying to wrap my mind around like what could happen in a, Mm -hmm. in a 5k or a 10k to make like a sub 26, 17, which is Bakelay's 10k record, which again, Brinks, we talked about that record a week ago or so, and it's, I'm not even going to get into it, it's too much. Yeah. But to see, like, a Nike breaking 26 event where they're trying to yeah. go sub-25 on the track. Sub-25? Sub-26, come on. It would be, I mean, I'm, I'm all into that, I'm tuned yeah. in, undoubtedly, so it is interesting to say how how much faster can we get in, on the track, too, with these world records. Yep. And... You know, we see in a lot of the championship style races, 
We saw it in Rio, the 1500 Centro. Matt Centrowitz wins it in 350 and change. Yeah. And we, we know the sky's a 330, even quicker. Let's hope Centro. Come on, do it for us, Centro. Let's go <laughs> sub 330. You got to do it. Like, we know these guys are capable of going way faster than what they do in these yeah. big time races. So, having a, a race that is totally geared at aiming for El Garouge's 326 flat in the 1500, it would be. A lot of fun, and you know, a company like Nike or another big wig in the running world would do all the science and put years into saying, yeah. "Okay, how are we going to attack, say, El Grouge's three forty-three mile?" There's a lot of fun that that would go into the game plan for that too. Yeah, there totally would. It's it's an interesting question, and you know, let's run in one of the race recaps they kind of they pose the question where is the sport of marathoning go from here mm. and i think so obviously the kipchoge's time is not an iaaf rec world record it's not an official world record because of the pacing they use because of the water station or the lack of water stations that were used it was just a handoff correct and that's you know not it's against iaaf rules so it poses like an interesting question of like, do we move away from like, you know, does, do we move away from like world marathon majors where you race to all these standardized rules or is it just like a chasing time event, you know, these, you know, amusement like productions, you know, it's, and I think in a way you don't want to take away that level of competition, but obviously when you look at the track races, people get frustrated with how slow the, the people run for much of the race, and then it becomes you know a kicker's game over the last two to four hundred meters. And uh, and many of these, not in all championship races, you look at like the women's ten k from Rio. You know that's you know produces an American record or produces a world record. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the men's races recently, I mean, there's it would be hard pressed you know to even fathom that. In the Latin, you know, that any of the current stud athletes in, say, the men's 5K would do what Kipchoge, Bekele, and El Garouche did in 2003 in Paris. It's, you know, like, not only, like, even a time like 12.53, which, or 12.52, whichever the winning time was, you know, like, that in itself would be, you know, you get, it's not, it's not like every season or every Diamond League meet that the, that guys are running that time. Mm-hmm. Even in like in in paced events, you know, and this is an, and that that race, the 2003 race, had no pacers. It was just four phenomenal athletes competing against one another to see. And, and obviously, like it was set up in a way where El Garouge, you couldn't leave it to his last 400 because he's a 1500 meter, you know, guy or a miler who runs 343, and you can't leave it. And you know, Beckley's got to push the pace from the beginning so he can utilize his 10,000 10, meter speed. So it's kind of that was a perfect storm, but you don't get that same style of racing, and you don't have athletes in like kind of that same sphere who are willing to to even challenge their their success in their individual. Apologies, we did have some connection malfunctions, but we got it back, and T dot completes his thought right here. Just reflecting back on that question of where does marathoning go from here, and kind of in a similar vein, like where does you know where might track and field go from here to people, you know, to athletes continue to, uh, to compete by these institutionalized standards that the IAAF has, 
has set forth and established over you know years do they continue to have the world championship style that there is or do we get to we or is you know people are always talking about how is how do we save track and field and is track and field saved by you know more of these breaking two type events that really try to try to assess and challenge what the human body is capable of in these ideal circumstances when we tailor the wind and the altitude and we eliminate you know wind drag and we have them in four percent shoes you know and and so it's kind of that question of where might where might we see the most impressive and breathtaking human performances are they in races where you have athletes like El Garus, Kipchoge and Bekele finishing together you know and one outleaning the other in a 5k world championship or is it like Kipchoge's two hours and 25 second marathon where everything is is monitored monitored to a t and he he just happens to be the only one left standing at the end of the race you'll get a bigger audience if you go after big time records like that for sure we see it with breaking too with the twitter audience with the global audience with non-runners talking you're definitely gonna see more people talking about running and track and field if that was the case if it's more let's go after this audacious record and yeah. put all this science and three years of game planning into it most definitely you're going to get a bigger audience because if Bekele or Kipchoge went to Berlin in 2018 and ran 202-21 we would go crazy it would be a, a, you know, a world record official world record whenever 202-57 is broken but to that's not going to reach near the amount of people that breaking two did no that will not and I just wonder you know, could you get too much of a good thing at one point and do, you know, do people just get bored of, you know, especially if some of the attempts are unsuccessful, not everyone is going to be, even though this obviously wasn't, didn't achieve, you know, the 159 or, you know, 159 and 59 that they look at, that they, they aspired to, but it obviously, it, it, it demonstrated that a lot more was possible and that, you know, you could, you could run really fast and run a lot faster than the world record. But, you know, does an event like that, do you get too many of them? Do you, um, do they just get boring after a while? Do you, you know, that sort of thing, you know, do you not want to like belabor those type of events, you know, where you're just like, where you're grooming like a handful of athletes to run, uh, you know, these incredible kind of outlandish times. Obviously some will, some will succeed, some won't, and, but, and, Obviously, you see that, you know, if, when people pursue records at, you know, a Berlin or a London marathon or, you know, if you line up a 5K, you know, even if it's like, oh, let's, we're going to line up a dozen guys and try to break 13 in the 5K at a Diamond League race. Obviously, like, not every time they do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are disappointing, too, and those aren't, you know, but, I mean, maybe this is a great injection of um, something special, into the sport of running, you know, distance events, marathon, whatever. Um, it's a, it's a curious point. Certainly. I think it could be a topic for another podcast altogether. Absolutely. A, a sad part to this, to the sport and its growth and it's widespread on the sites we visit and the running commentary we hear, but just the drug use and the PED use. And that's where even with Kipchoge's, two flat 25 of course there's going to be a let's run message board all caps title that says 
there's no way Elliot Kipchoge is not cheating. And yeah. that's just a super sad part of all this and trying to grow the sport when mm-hmm. the Olympic marathon champion on the women's side is busted for PEDs. It just, that doesn't help by any means. Yeah, we got cut off again there. Maybe I'll save the PED doping discussion for another podcast. Probably a good thing I got cut off there. I was going to digress too far into doping issues within running. So we'll pick up the podcast here. Will Hewitt from episode two, he was texting me during breaking two and right when Kipchoge crossed the line, we knew he didn't break it. He just texted me, coming in 2019, breaking two, two. (laughs) You guys, are you, this event, I'm going to put it on a scale. You like it, you love it, or you're through with it, one and done. What's your honest take? I want honesty. Do, do you mind if Nike or Brooks or Saucony Adidas, whoever, do you like another attempt at this? Or is one and done fine for you? Did you love it? You want it every two years? If you're Cold Stone, it's like it, love it, gotta have it. Yeah, yeah, let's go Cold Stone, Cold Stone scale. Yep. Cold Stone scale. J-Mo. What do you think? I think, I mean, like I said before, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the sub four thing with the mile. I just, I'm itching to see it happen. I think it it's kind of a win for humanity itself when you can break a barrier like that. I want to see it again. I don't know if two years is too soon or too late. I haven't really given that much thought, but I think I'd love to see it happen again. And, I, and I'd love to see even more people get behind these athletes and encourage them to defeat the clock, you know? You would definitely want to see it. Oh, I shouldn't say definitely want to see it, but you you're talking about sub two in a in a, in a venue in a setting in a lead up like this Nike Nike Breaking Two project, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know when we're gonna see it on the roads at a London, at a Berlin, Chicago, Boston, wherever. Yeah. We all agree on this call that it will have to be done if we're looking even five, maybe even ten year. Uh, Eh, I don't know, another decade. It could happen in a decade on the roads in a major marathon. But looking ahead to like even a 2019 or 2020, we're believing the only sub two, if it does happen, would happen in a Nike-like event, like breaking two. Well, I have, I don't know if, I think just an interesting thought is that this year, Mo Farah has said that it's his last year on the track. He wants to finish at... The uh, London and the World Championships, ten k, five k. Look for um, another double victory, and then he's moving to the roads. And again, we've talked about Bekele being part of the sub two hour project, but also being a Nike athlete. You got Kipchoge, another Nike athlete, just did it, just did it for Nike. And I would love to see even more hype surrounding breaking two two you know few people think the sequels can match the original but if you could bring out mofar you can get kenisa beckley yeah i mean we you see i mean remember a couple years ago in the 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 road race in 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 england in the uk where it was 
uh, Hale Gabriel Selassie is like last race, and then you get Mo and you got Kenneth Sebekele, oh, and the three so- duel it to the to the line. You know, like that's a great race. I mean, that's a great last. I mean, particularly the last four hundred meters is like phenomenal to watch. Viewers watch. You know, it's a ten mile race. The twenty thirteen or- Great North Run. Yeah, the Great North Run. Perfect. And I think an event like that where you just get, you know, three just magnanimous fe- uh, figures. You know, just have three outstanding, incredible athletes. And, and it doesn't have to be three. I think it could be more than that, you know? I'd love it if it was more. I think if you get, have more and more, maybe you only specifically train three or four like they did this time with three. But maybe if you have a bunch of stellar athletes that are willing to give it a try and, and commit to it, that, I don't know, field of runners can, can kind of encourage each other and, and give a little bit of competition inside mm-hmm. that little field. Mm-hmm. How about we see, like, oh, my gosh, you guys are on to something. I just, how unifying and great for the world would it be if it was like a Nike times Adidas attempt and you yeah. get you get Mo Farah, you get Kipchoge back, you get Bekele, so we got three Nikes, and then you're like, okay, Adidas, we're forming this deal, I want Kometo, yep. and I want Wilson Kipsang, yep. and we got the starting yep. five. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's ra- that's raking in millions of dollars. Yeah. Do oh. we got get a third Adidas guy? Who who you think is that third Adidas oh, guy? Oh yeah, I, you know, even it out. You gotta have equality, right? Yeah, so that's three right. On each side. Yeah, oh. it's it's three on three, man. I mean, it's, it's in all sports. I mean, you make that even more exciting when you bring two different companies, two different teams in there. Oh, it's like a it's a head to head battle between two titans. Yeah, of companies, Nike and Adidas, and then you get like the three best from each. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you can still make it. You can still have like like the pacing and the hydration yeah. strategy, but you got six of six huge names in the running community. That is, but like if you got the stories behind the guys and the PR started coming out and their resumes, it would get. A ton of people on board. Oh my gosh! Like Nike times Adidas. I can just see like I can see the headline. I can see the banner. I can see the logo. It's just that would be. Oh, I I cook up a lot of popcorn for that. Oh yeah, a lot of popcorn. See, you both, from what I gauge, there are on board. I mean, this again. We're talking first attempt at this, which is another. You know, Nike doesn't need any more pats on the back. No, but yeah. for this being the first attempt, I'm, I am curious to see if other companies and brands try to, like Brinks, you were getting at, like these attempts on the track potentially. Just like as much backlash as they received from, we saw it from Brooks and from other big time oh. American runners, they weren't all into this idea. But just yeah. for the first attempt, and we got this close, and it was that the broadcast you can always work on. A big, a big downfall of the broadcast is they did take the timing clock off the screen, like yeah. with uh, four hundred, eight hundred meters to go, and that was that was a big bummer because we're like, we know he's not going to hit it, but you took the time yeah. clock off, like what in the yeah. world? Yeah, yeah. And I, I like the the cuts to the story behind the guys and the technology that went it went into it because they did do a, a dual screen type where they put the, the they still have the race going in the bottom right corner of the screen. So you could still watch him run. Wow! Well, thoughts of Kevin Hart 
<laughs> do I, do I want more Kevin Hart or was it too much Kevin Hart? Was it just the right amount? Yeah, I don't know. You know, like they took away from the race a couple times. They would go zoom in on Kevin Hart. You know, at the, basically the start finish line, and they would zoom away from the race, and you just get this little corner box of the Pacers and whatnot. And you, <laughs> Kevin Hart just zoomed in and doing you know, all Kevin Hart things. I think certainly. Like, I love that he's on there, you know, he's on, like, the 50th anniversary Runner's World cover, you know, like, I think just, like, to have a, a figure like him just in love with the sport, I think that's great for running, but it was, like, especially so late in the race, he had, like, th- Kipchoge had, like, three laps to go, and they're zooming in on <laughs> on Kevin Hart, and he's, he's like, come on, let's do it now, like, go, Kipchoge, you know, and he's, like, shouting at him, and it's just, I think, I thought it was funny, but it was also, like, okay, can we just watch the race at this point, <laughs> especially those, that late into the race. I, I think it was another idea for Nike, just a strategy, because Kevin Hart has a humongous fan base, and you, you know, can know, yeah. you can know nothing about marathoning, and I even saw some of the tweets pouring in during the race, it was just like, they're, they're mixing Kevin Hart in with this, like how yeah. how dope! Like I want more Kevin Hart, and yeah. So he got That's a lot of the. If you could just switch, if you you know have Kevin Hart, you know like, even if it's like dual screen or something, just <laughs> don't relegate Kipchoge to the little box in the corner rather than have you know have him still be center stage. I mean, I think we should get Kevin Hart to pace hundred meters. I don't know about you guys. Oh. That'd be nice. <laughs> I did like the little feature they had where it was him and like four pacers and he tried keeping up with the pace for about a hundred meters. And then yeah, yeah. I love he, that. He made a joke about his asthma. <laughs> We've got a, you know, maybe some prednisone or something. <laughs> wow. We, guys, we're really on. I mean, not that Nike and Adidas haven't talked about it. I don't know if they have, who knows, yeah. but I, yeah, like the six man field and yeah, they're all accomplished, but again, that's that's where Nike and Adidas and these other corporations would have to figure stuff out with the world marathon majors and yeah. the other top marathons because that's that's taken a lot of star power away from a Berlin and a London and a that's Tokyo, true. a Boston, Chicago. One of the cool things I think that you could um, provide in a, like a Nike versus Adidas scenario, even though like that would obviously create such a competitive atmosphere in terms of like the storyline and probably the result and like the actual race. But you looked at that, you know, you look at that article with Chris Derrick and Andrew Bumbleo about pacing and Derek saying, you know, there's that whole section making friends and geeking out. And Chris Derrick says that was one of the best parts, just getting to develop a team vibe with all those guys. You normally wouldn't be in that situation with. And Bumble was saying the same thing that it was like being in college, you know, running with teammates and just getting to know everybody and kind of, like, unite around this common goal of just, again, just, like, pushing, just see how far these three athletes can get to breaking two hours. And that's such, like, this unifying, you know, this you know this pacers coming together and the whole project coming together. Um, I think that would be something really special for the sport, too. Just maybe that could be, I mean, that may benefit just, you know, the, the elite community and some of and just like, you know, the Nike and the Adidas employees of the event. But nonetheless, I think that's a pretty cool thing to have, <coughs> excuse me, this many, that many competitive athletes who, who normally, you know, is like Derek, Chris Derrick was saying that they were nervous waking up in the morning, but it was just like this excitement, this like really raw, just like 
eagerness to toe the line and see what Kipchoge and the guys could do. And that it wasn't the same stress of like going to a diamond league meet where, you know, you're halfway across the country, you're on a limited time schedule, you're trying to race your best. <coughs> the, this, yeah. the pacing thing is just something that would really unite a lot of people together and, and, and a lot of elite athletes around the globe. Next attempt, they get a moonroof on the Tesla, and they just have Kevin Hart popping out of the moonroof every <laughs> like four hundred meters and just well, only screaming at the guys. Doesn't slow you down. <laughs> you know? this, I can see Kipchoge. He's smiling a lot earlier if if uh, Kevin Hart's making jokes at him from fifteen feet in front. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a great reason to smile instead of trying <laughs> to smile through pain. I started talking about money here, the financial side of the sport. And I thought the conversation was so good that I would make it into a separate podcast episode. And that's what I did. So Hooray Run Podcast Episode 5 is a 10 to 15 minute conversation about running and money with JMO and TDOT. Check it out. Hooray Run Podcast Episode 5. Why can't I know how much money Zerzane Tedesse made for participating in Breaking 2? And did he get any additional money for finishing the race? Episode 5. Listen to it. Back to episode four. Breaking two. What a spectacle! Again, I, I'm for it. I'm a, I'm a gotta have it if I'm on the Cold Stone scale. Yeah, I am. And I, I want to bring up one more tweet here, guys. It might be another five minutes if that's all right. Uh, Give it to us. We got cut off a third time, but I had to get to this tweet, so we resume. Yeah, so Hansen's tweeted, if Louisville Slugger created a new bat and held a non-sanctioned home run derby, would we call it good for the sport? No. All caps, no. And neither is sub two hours. But I read that and I say, if Louisville Slugger makes a bat that is conducive to Bryce Harper crushing 650 to 700 foot home runs, <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm all into that. More home runs in the, in the cove. I'm in. I, like they're talking about a home run derby, like a a side event from the regular season MLB. I'm I'm absolutely watching that, and I think it's good. I think it's good for MLB because we we know MLB is maybe losing traction with the millennial crowd because of the pace of play and the viewerships, and and you can get into MLB talk all you want. But I think a non-sanctioned home run derby with a special Louisville Slugger bat, and I have. I have uh, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper. I got a elder Albert Pujols, and they're just mashing homers. I think, I think that's a pay per view that makes a good chunk of money. And then, it, like then, adding at the end of the tweet, neither is sub two hours. Sub yeah. two hours isn't good for the sport. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go be too harsh on Brooks Hansen's, but that. I mean, coming from a competitor of Nike and Brooks, you know, it just, it seems in some ways petty and out of place and, you know, a little conflict of interest rather than, you know, some like thoughtful criticism, you know, it, if it comes from, even if it's just like an individual in the prod, you know, I don't know. Even hmm. Let's Run took some digs at it too yeah. throughout the week. Well, let's wrap it up here. We had a lot of good time. I know it's midnight now for you guys, uh, but much appreciation for joining Hooray Run Podcast. JMO, I hope you enjoyed your first time on. Where J-Mo, is he? I did. JMO, enjoy that last that 
first time on the pod? <laughs> I did. I didn't do that. His first time on the pod. There he is. There he is. Yeah, thanks, JMO, for staying up and, and joining episode four here. That's right. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Absolutely. I think this this three man booth right here, we had a couple great ideas that we gotta we we gotta gain some traction and and uh, just elaborate on in the future for sure. Definitely. That's the hope. Yep. Tomorrow I'm gonna be at North Central. Really? So I'm going. I. And Brinks, I I'm thinking about Friday too. I gotta see what's on tap with the family and other scheduling things. But That'd be awesome. My my friend Jacob Ranking from Indiana Wesleyan is racing yeah. the 5K tomorrow, and Please. I was already thinking about seeing some Hope folk race, and so I'm gonna be hanging out with Jacob tomorrow, and also JMO. You're running 10K, right? I am. What time are you going off? I believe it's 9:30 at at their, their time. So okay, 9:30 p.m. Central. Yep. Good, because I think the 5K that I'm going to watch is like 8.30. So I will hopefully be hovering around and yeah. watching JMO get after the 25-lapper. I'll do my best. Right. Yeah, good luck to both of you for the, for the last chances here. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. I needed, I needed a couple partners here to, to recap breaking, too. It was Absolutely. quite the show. Was quite the show. Yep. You Happy guys. To it. Absolutely. I'm glad you guys joined it. And get some shut eye. I can't keep oh, you yeah. any longer. But thanks. <laughs> thanks again for joining. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, Jim. Don't forget to drop that beat. <laughs> oh, Mikey, please drop that beat for us. <laughs> there it is. Meeks Palmer. Be faster. That's us the next two days. Be Let's fast. go. Good luck, guys. Thanks again. See you, Jim. Take See, you later. See you later. Thanks again for listening to Hooray Run Podcast Episode 4. Much appreciation to T-Dot and J-Mo for joining the discussion, wrapping up Breaking 2. I direct your attention to Episode 5. I took a 10-15 to 15 minute clip from this talk and made it into its own episode. That's Hooray Run Podcast Episode 5 about the financials of the sport and the money talk. That's with T-Dot and JMO, episode five. Check it out. Hooray Run, social media, Facebook page. Twitter is at hooray underscore run. Hoorayrun.com. The podcast is on iTunes. It's on your podcast app on your phone. It's on SoundCloud And now it's on Stitcher. So if you get your podcast mainly through the Stitcher platform, Hooray Run Podcast is there. It's waiting to be clicked on. Get your listens at Stitcher now. Hooray Run Podcast. Thanks again, T.JMO. Hey, leave the podcast a review on whatever platform you listen to. Give it a review. That'd be greatly appreciated. Mikey... You're back at it again, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Thanks for the beats. As always, episode four is out the door. 